by way of disclaimer this morning, I do have what most of the women in this place would call a man cold, which means I just have days to live. And so, <laughs> so I don't infect uh, all the other men here, and we end up having the walking dead. I'm going to kind of stay away from people today. That's why I was in the back. Um, I'm not going out the back today. I'll be up front with a mask on if anybody needs to see me. If not, I'll get two hugs from you next week. You know, I was thinking last week some of the things I like to do as a kid growing up in the small town of Plainfield uh, around Halloween time, things that, by the way, would get you shot or at least arrested today. We like to go corning. Now, some of you kids don't even know what that is, but we would shuck the corn, field corn, by the way, off the cob and fill your sock with it, and then we would go through the neighborhood and throw it at houses and cars, and people would get all crazy, and sometimes they'd chase you. Uh, you know, it's, it's a lot of fun. It really was. Uh, we also liked to light firecrackers and throw them on people's porches, and they would get real irate and come out and chase you around a little bit. Now, again, you don't want to do that nowadays. They would shoot back, okay? Uh, one of the things I did not do a lot of was egging and toilet papering. Not saying I didn't do any, but I didn't like doing that because I had two older sisters, and because of that, our house was targeted that way, and I didn't like cleaning it up. But I did do something pretty despicable one time, about two and a half blocks from us, which is closer than my dad liked me to prank. He always said, go the other way. We had a guy I didn't like very well, and I took one of those big round smoke bombs. Remember those? I don't even know if you can get them anymore today. Smell like sulfur, big blue one. And they had a screened-in porch, and of course that screen door was closed, but the door to their living room was wide open, and I lit one of them puppies and rolled it right in their living room while they were watching TV, and it was pandemonium. I mean, I don't know if it was the guy's relatives or his friends, but three men come out of the house and chased me for the better part of an hour and a half. They chased me under Larry Gregory's car, and I remember trying to breathe softly because I could see their feet. And one of them said, uh, I saw the kid run that way. The other one said, if we go around this way, we can catch him. The third one said, I'll tell you what, if I find him, I'm going to kill him. I was telling Rob Richmond about it. He said, did they find you and kill you? And I said, yes, they did. But luckily, I survived. Now, listen, that was a lot of fun until I got surrounded and I didn't know what to do. When you get surrounded and you don't know what to do, it's devastating. A similar thing happened about 850 B.C. under the rule of King Jehoshaphat and similar by the fact that they were surrounded by a huge enemy. And most of you in here know we're surrounded today by a huge enemy. And what I did that day under Larry Gregory's car in desperation, and what the Israelites did that day under desperation, is what we're going to start tonight at South Union Christian Church in our 40 days uh, of prayer. And that is instead of looking at things in despair, which uh, I admit is easy to do today, they called for a fast and a prayer time for everyone around them, and that's what we're going to do. Nothing short of miraculous and powerful what's going to go on here in the next 40 days, and we're going to be fighting in this church with an absolutely mind-boggling, indescribable power that we're going to unleash as a group for the next 40 days. I want to set it up this morning, though, the first part of this talk, and I'm not even calling it a sermon. This is a talk, and the first part of this sermon or talk is going to be dark. I mean, you can talk to staff, my family. I wrestled with this all week long. In fact, if I was home right now this morning, I would probably turn it over to Tom and Jerry for 10 minutes or so because it's ugly. But I need to set up what we're going to be doing here starting tonight I'm going to start by reading 2 Chronicles 20, 
1 through 4. After this, the Moabites and the Ammonites, all those ites, with some of the Meunites, came to make war on Jehoshaphat. Someone came and told Jehoshaphat, a vast army is coming against you from Edom, from the other side of the sea. It's already in Harazon, Tamar, which is the En Gedi. Alarmed, Jehoshaphat resolved to inquire of the Lord, and he proclaimed a fast for all of Judah. The people of Judah came together to seek help from the Lord. Indeed, they came from every town in Judah to seek him. They're surrounded by this huge enemy, and they called each other together and cried out to the Lord in prayer. And I love this prayer because it is so authentic, and it's so simple, it's so short, sweet, and to the point, and it is very, very, very bold. This is what they prayed to God in verse 12. Lord, we have no power to face this vast army that is attacking us. We do not know what to do. Our eyes are on you. We don't even know what to do. Is that not the prayer that we have right now? In our churches, in our family, in our country? And listen to me carefully. It's not that we don't know the right thing to do. I'm not saying that at all. It's that we don't know what to do. We're surrounded by all this evil, and we don't know what to do. We don't know what to do with our kids. We know what the Bible says to do with our kids. Proverbs 14, 6, whoever fears the Lord has a secure fortress for their children. Proverbs 22, 6, train up a child in the way he should go, and when he's older, he'll not depart from it. Proverbs 23, 13, do not withhold discipline from your child. Punish him with a rod, he won't die. If you punish him with a rod, you'll save his soul from death. Ephesians chapter 6, verse 4, fathers, don't exasperate your children. Instead, bring them up in the training and the instruction of the Lord. How are we doing with this, church? How are we doing with disciplining our kids and our grandkids, instructing them in the things of the Lord? Somebody said last week, I read this last week, that the American home today, in all American homes, everything is run by switches, except the children. Colossians 3.21, fathers, do not embitter your children or they'll become discouraged. By the way, discouragement in our children right now is off the charts, and it is a breeding ground for the enemy. It causes them to become easy prey. I love the amplified version. Fathers, do not provoke or irritate or exasperate your children with demands that are trivial or unreasonable or humiliating or abusive. Don't use favoritism or indifference. Instead, treat them tenderly with loving kindness so they'll not lose heart and become discouraged or unmotivated with a broken spirit. How are we doing with this? And I don't just mean discipline, although we saw some things in the airport the last, last week fits that I have never seen like before. But it's way beyond discipline and instructing. Do you know that the divorce rate in this country is off the charts? The marriage rate is way down. Do you know that in 1960, 78% of households had two parents in them? Today, it's 43%. 43%. There are 850,000 registered sex offenders in the United States right now. And get this. In Baltimore last year, the city of Baltimore, one out of every four babies born was addicted to opioid. That's crazy. Teen birth rate in, this, in the United States is the highest in any industrialized world, and 40% is outside of marriage. By the time a kid's 18 years old, they will have witnessed 40,000 murders on TV. And I used to think that was a crazy statistic, but I just read last week that 60% of 6 to 18-year-old kids polled, 60% were exposed to violence last year. 
either directly or indirectly. 80% of parents say today that their kids 11 and under watch YouTube regularly. 63% said they watch it several times a day. 57% of two-year-olds say that they watch YouTube regularly. 73% of parents said it's okay for a 12-year-old to have a smartphone. 11% said, or 63% said it was okay for 11-year-olds and younger to have a smartphone. And that same study showed that the average teenager, only one-third of all our teenagers read one book last year. And according to the CDC, one out of every four teenage girls in the United States has had at least one sexually transmitted disease. We're in trouble. These are kids. And this one's staggering. 77% of our children, six and older, have some kind of mental, emotional, or behavioral disorder. 77%. How are we doing with our kids? Ben Carson said last week that we're, well, here's what we're doing with the kids. We're making them wear a mask everywhere, which takes away the fundamental communication skills that we need socially. Two-year-olds, preschoolers can't see. They can't read lips can't learn the language. Grade schoolers can't tell if their teachers are mad or happy. They can't tell if their friends are upset with them or happy with them. And we tell these same kids that deep inside their little bodies, they have an ugly disease that might kill grandma and grandpa if they're not careful. At the same time, they don't even know if they're a boy or a girl. Lord, we don't know what to do. We're crying out to you for 40 days. We don't know what to do. How about social issues? Do you know we have a half a million homeless people in this country right now? And city after city passed legislation last year saying we can't feed them. Uh, Alcohol-related death, off the charts. Suicide death, off the charts. I read last week that, that McDonald's serves 70 million people a day. And Pornhub, 78 million a day. We're in trouble. If you're white in this country today, it's your fault. What's my fault? Everything's your fault. Everything. It's your forefathers and their forefathers. Everything's broken because of you. And if you're a white Christian in this country today, yuck. And if you're a white Christian preacher, if you're black in this country today, you're a victim. You might as well just give up because everybody's after you. They're going to try to keep you down. You're you're never going to get anywhere, and you might as well just go after the white people because it's their fault. And if you're a Hispanic in this country today, well, we better check your papers. Now, I don't know about all this stuff, but I do know this. We're fighting, and the fighting is ramping up, and there's already talk about a civil war in this country. Lord God in heaven, we don't know what to do. We don't know what to do. We spent four days at the AACC, which is an American Association of Christian Counselors. We tried to go every year. They didn't have one last year. My family, I'm telling you, to say we have a mental health problem that's unparalleled in this country is an understatement. Listen to this. One in five people in the United States will suffer a mental illness this year. One in five. One in 20 will be a major mental illness. And one out of six of our six to 18-year-olds are going to suffer a mental illness. In fact, by those statistics, 50% of all lifetime illness starts at 14. 75% starts by 25. Suicide is the leading cause of death in 10 to 34-year-olds. Get this. There's a suicide in this country every 11 minutes. By the time church is over today, there'll be six suicides. 
people suffering major depression, 19 million. 1.5 million schizophrenics, 7 million bipolar, 48 million people suffering from anxiety, 9 million from PTSD, 3 million from OCD. Uh, BPD is 3.5 million. And get this, those are all pre-COVID numbers. They told us last week at the conference that we had a mental health crisis in this country pre-COVID. Today, we have a disaster. Lord, we don't, we don't know what to do. Please, God, we're counting on you, man. We don't know what to do. How about the LBGT community? How are we doing with that one, church? Genesis 18 and 19, Leviticus 18, 21 and 25, Romans 1, 26, 27, 1 Corinthians 6, 9 and 10. That's just a few. And look, we're not going to look those scriptures up because we preached on them, we've lectured on them, we talked about them. We know what's right and wrong. Come on. We know. So you know what I'm going to do instead? I'm going to remind you of something else you might have forgotten. As a church, we have dropped the ball on this one, big time. In fact, if I had a platform to talk to the homosexual community, which I don't because I've not earned that respect, if I had a platform, the first thing I'd say to them is, I'm sorry. I apologize to you. I regret the way you've been treated by several people who claim to have the love of Jesus in their heart because I don't think we've treated them in a lot of cases the way Jesus would have had us treat them. And I don't think we've loved them the way Jesus would have loved them. And I don't just mean in a way uh, of treating. I mean in a way of telling them the truth. It takes both of those things if you're going to love somebody. We have one segment that's all homophobic, can't stand them, don't want anything to do about it. And we got another group over here. Is, uh, Jesus just loves you. Anything you want to do is okay with him. Well, he does love you, but that second part, that's not even close. I think I told you several years ago, I had a little girl come to me. Well, it happened again. I said, I don't think I can come back to church here. I said, why? I think I'm gay. You're going to quit coming to church because you're gay? This is your home. Why would you do that? Well, because I know you all stand against it. So does the church. I said, whoa, whoa, whoa. We don't stand against you. We're preaching the truth of Jesus Christ. Listen, if we stood against people that were violating the Scripture, there wouldn't be any church, body at church. When I preach about gossip or lying or drinking too much or obesity or judging one another, if I stood against those people, we wouldn't have anybody in here. I wouldn't be in here. We're just trying to preach the truth of God's Word, and if something bounces off of you that's not right in it, you do something about it. We're not going to judge you. I'm going to tell you something, family. That 1 Corinthians 6, 9 passage is one of several passages that talk about people that aren't going to enter the kingdom of heaven and homosexuality's in there. Have you seen what else is in there? Lying, greed, slander, fornication, adultery. And if you think for one minute that I'm going to highlight the homosexuals in that passage, you're wrong. But I'm not going to exclude them either because it's the truth. we got to preach the truth of God's Word, and we've made a mess of it. We don't know what to do. I'm about done with the darkness. Hang in there. How about abortion? I looked this up last week at home by myself. After I'd looked up all these nasty stats, and when I saw this one, I sobbed like a baby. When I pulled it up, I saw this clock. When I pulled that up on Tuesday of last week, it was at 30 million. The truth is, family, there are 30 to 50 million babies aborted worldwide every year, including, listen to me, 1,095,000 in the United States. 
That's 3,000 a day. That's two every minute. And that number, 1,095,000, represents all the people we've lost in all of our military battles combined. We're doing that every, every year. And by their own admission, 86% of these babies aborted were for convenience. Do you understand that? We killed 50 million babies last year, and 86% was because it was the convenient thing to do. Lord God in heaven, we are so sorry. We don't know what to do. How we care? We don't know what to do. I don't have time to talk about politics and, and medicine. Oh, my goodness, a mask and a vaccine thing got people looking at each other in the eye, ready to hit each other with a right cross if you don't agree with them. I will tell you this. About three or four weeks ago, I had a couple come up to me after church and laid into me gently but nicely uh, about some of the things that I wasn't saying right and doing right. And one of them had to do with the mask. And uh, they said, you know, we see you put the mask on for some people and take it off for others. Uh, that's pretty self-centered. Jesus would have wore a mask. What, what they don't know is just a week previous, I had a couple come up to me after church and say, you need to man up and be a leader and take that mask off. I don't know what to do. We don't know what to do. <sighs> Could you use some good news? I need to sit down a minute. Well, I got it. The good news is this. When a group of people like this gets together and they pray to God and they honestly say to him, we don't know what to do, the Lord shows up in a miraculous, powerful, unbelievable way. In fact, let's read what happened. It says, when all the men of Judah, like, let's put South Union Christian Church, all the men of South Union Christian Church, along with their wives and children, stood before the Lord and they prayed. Verse 14, then the Spirit of the Lord came down. The Spirit of the Lord came down. Boom! You guys read the Bible? Do you see what happens when the Spirit of the Lord comes down? I'm telling you, there's an explosion that happens when the Lord comes down. Verse 15, this is what the Lord says. Don't be afraid or discouraged because of all the vast army. Don't be afraid, South Union, about all this garbage that your preacher just told you about. Why? Because the battle doesn't belong to you. The battle belongs to God. And as we spend the next 40, years to, uh, 40 days together praying and fasting as a church, the Holy Spirit of the living God's going to come down in this place, and you better buckle your seatbelts because we're going to see some stuff happen. And I'll tell you why. Because the Holy Spirit of the living God cannot be stopped. He cannot be stopped. He can't be hindered, delayed, or terminated. He can't be voted out, canceled out, or legislated out. He can't be ruled out, overruled, or mandated by executive order. He can't be defunded or underfunded or ignored. Congress can't stop him. The Senate can't stop him. The President of the United States can't stop him. He's powerless. China's powerless against him. Russia is. North Korea, Iran, and every other country. The world and the flesh and the devil stand in awe of the person and the power of the Holy Spirit of the living God, and he is coming on this church, and he's going to do things that are just going to blow your mind. And we're going to pray. And we're going to pray. Whew. I'll tell you something else. The power of the Holy Spirit's inside of you. Did you remember that? Those of us who are in Christ have the Spirit of Christ. Don't you know your body's the temple of the Holy Spirit? He dwells in you. 
Listen, I, I don't know what kind, I can't fathom the amount of power it took to take a 33-year-old man and beat him just short of too, too late, too much. I mean, they didn't beat Jesus half to death. They beat him just short of too much. And, and then he had to carry a cross about the size of the one back there in the corner up on a mountainside. And there they hung him on it with nails in his hands and feet for the better part of six hours until he lost the very last breath in his body. Then they took a spear and ran it through his side, and all his body fluids fell out. And then they wrapped him in 75 to 125 pounds of grave cloth. And then they put him in an airtight, sealed tomb for three days. I have no idea what kind of power it took to raise a man like that from the dead, but I know this much. That same power lives in you and lives in me. And we're going to unleash that power in a mighty way as we pray together the way we're told to in the Scripture. Six o'clock tonight, I got a video that I think will spark us up. We've been watching together as, as a, a staff. I'd love to have you come and watch that with us, but it's 6.30 tonight. We're, gonna, we're going. And we're going to cry out and just be honest. Lord, we don't want to do, but you do. We're counting on you. So here we are at the broken body and shed blood of Jesus Christ, the one who made all this possible power and majesty of the kingdom of God at our fingertips because of what he did for us. So I don't know what you got on your heart and mind after all that stuff. Uh, thanks for listening to it. Uh, thanks for joining us in prayer. Spend some time this morning in prayer and get fired up and ready to go.